Man, well, as we get started today, I just want to, before we dive in, I want to ask, so how, how was last week for you all? How'd last week go? Last week we talked about giving that meets God. We talked about uh, generosity, and, and so were, were you generous last week? Did you have a chance to be generous with your time, your energy, your gifts, your money? I know I'm richer this week. Like as I stand before you, I'm richer now than I was seven days ago because I took Jesus' words and put them into practice. Um, I had some really wonderful time with my... Um, we're looking in this series about how to, how to know that God is real. And in this series, Jesus is teaching us things that we can do to know if God is real. And so... Um, Jesus talked about giving last week as a way to know God is real. Today, Jesus is going to teach us a second way that we can know God is real or that we can experience him more deeply. And that way is through prayer. That you can know that God is real and you can know more deeply through prayer. And so I am incredibly excited about this passage. So let's look into God's word. There we go. We're going to look at Matthew, really Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. But we're going to pick up the context and look at verse 1, and then also catch verses 9 to 13. So, so friends, listen. This is the words of Christ. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Verse 5, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil this is God's word and so Jesus describes this kind of praying that meets God and I think if 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 you catch it, there might be something kind of funny in that, especially if you haven't been around or haven't prayed a whole lot uh, in your own personal life, um, because it seems like the purpose of prayer is to meet God, right? I mean, that's the whole point of praying. But, but Jesus says that there are ways to pray that won't meet God. There are ways that you can pray and God won't show up. And, uh, and then there are also ways that you can pray where God will. And I've got to admit, just as we start out, that in my 21 years of having a relationship with God, for me, prayer has been both the best of times and the worst of times. 
um, I have felt closest and most blessed by God in times of prayer. But then also, I have felt huge amounts of guilt in my life because of prayer. Um, and, and most often, that guilt came from feeling like I didn't ever pray enough. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. You know, you hear about stories of people praying. I just felt like, and I felt guilt about the fact that I don't pray enough. And so I want to tell you right now this morning, based on the authority of God's word, that prayer was not created by God to make you feel guilty. Okay, you need to hear that. Prayer was not created by God to make you feel guilty. Okay, that's not God's design. So we're going to look at that design today. Uh, we're going to look and see, well, God created prayer. The purpose of prayer is so that you could spend time with God. That's what it's for. It's so that your relationship with God would grow. So that your relationship would do like the last song, right? Would go deeper. Would go wider. Yeah, would go longer. That's what prayer is for. It's so that you would know that God is real. It's real time with God. It's close, personal time with God. Prayer is designed by God so that you could experience him. But not all prayer does this. Right? And Jesus says there's ways to pray that won't meet God. That you could pray and end up actually farther away from him. And he tells us in these verses how prayer can hurt our relationship with God. And what he says basically in these two ways, he says prayer is not performance. Okay, if for you prayer becomes performance, then you're doing it wrong. And Jesus would say, come back, come back. Let me, let me show you there's a better, a better way. And so Jesus shows us that there's really two ways that we perform. One is we turn prayer into a performance before others. Okay, that's what he says here in verse 5. You see that? He says, um, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. So the Jews of Jesus' day, they had set times in the day that they prayed. And there were some of the, some of the Jews who would make sure that when it came time to pray, that they were in the most public place they possibly could be so that everyone would see that they're praying. And so that everybody would hear just how holy and spiritual they are. This is hypocrisy. I mean, at the neutral level, this is just acting. Right? Jesus is saying, like, this is their prayer life. Like, they don't pray outside of the performance before other people. And what's awful about this, like, like, think about this for a second, the hypocrisy of this, this takes one of the most intimate expressions of a relationship with God. That's what prayer is. It's one of the most intimate expressions of a relationship with God, and it perverts it. It perverts it. You know, prayer is about spending time with God. It's about speaking to God and hearing God speak back to you sensing how God thinks and feels about you and what you're praying about. But these hypocrites, they're praying it wasn't for God. It was for themselves. 
right? It was an act to make other people think that they were praying when really they were just performing. They were just performing. There was no real relationship there. It was empty. And so not only is that hypocritical, but praying as a performance before others actually damages your relationship with God. Okay, because what happens is performance kind of praying trains you. It trains you, actually. So even if you do that and you pray to God on your own, praying in public in order to be seen by others actually trains you that your intimate time with God is not about God. It's about the people around you. Does that make sense? It's like, you may know folks like this, it's like parents um, who, whose whole lives revolve around their children and that they live for their children and they don't actually have a relationship with each other apart from the kids. So that when the kids grow up and they move out, what they've got left is nothing. The same thing happens to us when you train yourself to pray in order to be seen by others. You actually cause God to be out of that part of your relationship with him. And that's going to affect you because then more often what will happen is when you're alone with God, you won't be able to pray with him. Because he's kind of a stranger to you. So, quick uh, caveat. Does this mean that we should never, ever pray in front of other people? Boy, I hope not. Because if so, I'm in big trouble, right? That's why I do that every week. I stand up here and pray in front of you. Um, I lead you in prayer. Gerard leads you in prayer. Michael leads you in prayer. Um, You know, no, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. In fact, the Bible itself, in the book of Acts, we see that one of the things that characterized the early church was that they were devoted to praying with each other. So you see example after example after example of people in the scriptures praying together. The key, here's the key to knowing if you're doing it right or not when you're praying with somebody else. It's attention versus intention. Okay? It's attention versus intention. The question you want to ask yourself is, why am I praying in front of other people? Why am I praying in my community group out loud? Why am I praying in church? Why am I praying with friends? What's the reason behind it? Um, Attention is not necessarily bad. Okay? In fact, Jesus says that if you do good works, you're going to be seen by others. That if you have um, a real prayer life, that's actually going to be attractive to other people. Jesus' disciples at one point in Luke 11 came up to him and they saw him praying. So Jesus was okay with them seeing him pray. There were times when Jesus prayed in a way that they knew he was praying. They could see him do it. And so attention is not necessarily bad. But the question is why? Why are you praying? Are you praying so that you will be noticed? Right? Are you praying in order to get attention? Or are you praying because you want someone else to be blessed by your relationship with God? That's what I'd hold on to. If you want to know how to pray with other people, are you praying so that others might be blessed by your relationship with God? Then your intention is holy and good 
and God, it's, and God blesses that, and it's totally appropriate. But if you're going through the religious motions so that other people will think highly of you, then Jesus says, okay, again, like last week, you've got your reward. You did this so they'd see you, they saw you, mission accomplished. God will sadly allow you to exclude him from your prayers. That's what Jesus says here. You'll receive nothing from God except for silence and isolation. That's what happens. If you exclude God from your prayers, it's no wonder you're not going to sense that he's near. So the other way not to meet God in your prayers is to turn your prayers into a performance before God. Okay, this is verse 7. Jesus says, When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Okay, and so here's an example of a Gentile prayer that Jesus would tell us is not a model. This is to the Akkadian moon god. Okay? You ready for this? Father Nana, Lord Anshar, hero of the gods. Father Nana, great Lord Anu, hero of the gods. Father Nana, Lord Sin, hero of the gods. Father Nana, Lord of Ur, hero of the gods. Father Nana, Lord of Igishiragal, hero of the gods. Father Nana, Lord of the Shining Crown, hero of the gods. Father Nana, who is grandly perfected in kingship, hero of the gods. Father Nana, who solemnly advances in garments of princeliness, hero of the gods. Ferocious bull, whose horn is thick, whose legs are perfected. So how many times do you need to say Father Nana in order to make sure that he's listening? Right? And, and, and do you have to mention his horn? If you don't compliment his legs, will he be upset? This is the kind of superstitious thinking that plagued the Gentile religions. This was a very real, this is a real prayer. I don't know if I said it enough. In fact, if I start my prayer with this and he doesn't answer, maybe I didn't say it enough. You can read in 1 Kings chapter 18 when Elijah is in a competition against the prophets of Baal. They start by they start by praying, and they prayed for six hours, and their God did not hear. And so they began to limp, it says. And then they began to slash themselves, thinking, maybe this will get your attention. Maybe if I do bodily harm to myself, my God will wake up and hear me. It says that they went into a rave, and they heard nothing. They heard nothing. There is a deep wound in the bones of people. There's a fear when it comes to prayer. God, are you even listening? God, are you angry? How can I get on your good side? This isn't just from the third century BC. This is today. We also can feel this way. 
you feel like you've got to prove yourself. You've got to earn the right to be heard. You've got to say enough or say it enough. Or God might not hear you. Or God will refuse to listen. Jesus wants to say to you today, that is not God. That is not who you're praying to. That is not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying you don't have to perform to be heard. Verse 8 says, Your Father knows what you need even before you ask. So Jesus is saying, like, don't you realize you don't have to earn his favor. He is already your Father. He is already your Father. And he loves you. Just come and ask. Jesus wants us to know that prayer is not a performance. Jesus' option is that prayer is a relationship. Okay? Prayer is a relationship. It's a relationship between you and God. And so Jesus says in verse 6, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus says, real prayer is you and God alone. It's you and God alone. It's free from the distractions of others. It's free from needing to feel like you've got to say it the right way or say the right thing or weave enough scripture verses into your prayer so that the people around you would be impressed or think it's biblical. Jesus says, no, 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 none of that. Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret. That's the place where your relationship with God will grow. That's when your faith will grow. That's when your experience of God will grow. Now, if this is what prayer is designed for, how come it doesn't feel that way? Right? How come we go into our prayer time and it feels like God's not there? Why is it that we pray and we try to enter in and engage with the process and it feels like we're talking to the walls, we're talking to the ceiling? Or how come you get so fired up, if you're anything like me, you get so fired up, you go into pray, and then you're there and you're like, now what do I talk about? I can remember the time where I said, okay, I'm going to try to pray for an hour. <laughs> you know, and I sat down, I started to pray. And I went through a list of everything I could possibly think of. I prayed my heart out, my guts out. I was praying for everything, everybody I could know, every situation. And I got done, I looked at my watch, and it was literally like nine minutes later. Like, ah, You know? Like, why is it that way? Why is prayer this sort of elusive, mysterious... Man, you, you hear other people talk about it, and you think, I just must not get it. I think that the biggest key to prayer is actually faith. It's actually faith. Prayer requires faith. Okay? And I don't just mean that you have to believe in God or you have to believe in Jesus. Okay? That's not what I'm talking about. But praying is, 
an exercise of your faith. Okay? If you pray and you aren't actively exercising your faith, it's going to feel like you're all alone. It's going to feel empty. Let me show you what I mean. Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, And without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's talking about God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Interesting, isn't it? So, whoever would draw near to God, right? That's what we want. That's what prayer is about, is drawing near to God. And this verse tells us, if you want to draw near to God, you must believe that he exists. I think a lot of people are there, right? But then also, you must believe that he rewards those who seek him. Let me talk to you about what faith is in prayer. Faith isn't just, okay, God says this, so when I show up in prayer, he's going to do something to zap me. What this is, this means that when you go into prayer, you need to believe that God is there and that God is going, will actually reward you. Okay, let me talk about this. I want to unpack this for us. What you believe about God will determine your prayer life. Okay? It's what you believe about God. It's your faith that will determine how your prayer life is. And so if you believe that God is waiting to meet you in prayer, then you'll go and spend time with him. If you believe that God rewards those who seek him, like if you really believe that, then you will carve out time to spend with God. And so, now, it also takes faith to hear from God in prayer. You know, so often the frustration is, well, I pray and I I pour out my heart and I speak up and I tell God everything and then there's just sort of silence, right? And some people go, well, so what's the deal here? I hear people say, some people go, they talk about, they prayed and then God said this to them. You're like, well, how does that happen? Like, did they hear something? Like, Like, how does that work, right? And if you've ever done it, I've never been in a conversation. You know, I mean, these are the kinds of things that, where you need the community. You need a community group to be able to talk about this stuff with, by the way. Um, but, like, how do you hear God when you pray? Like, how does that process work? Um, well, that also takes faith. Okay? And again, let me, talk, let me try to get as specific as I can about what that means. If you ask God a question, how do you know God's response? Right? That's what we want to know. I ask God a question. How do I know what his response is? The answer, the way that you know how God responds is you ask yourself, well, what is God like? Okay, what is he like? And then how would someone who is like that answer your question? Okay, what does God think about the question that you've asked? Okay? How does God feel about the question that you've asked? What do you know about how God has responded to questions like yours in the past? I found that the best way to hear from God, the way that God most often speaks to me, 
is that as I'm praying, God reminds me of what he is like from the Bible. Okay? Like, I can actually see God entering into my problem or my question, and when he's present in the question, I know what he thinks because he's told me what he thinks in the Bible. Does that make sense? So, maybe you don't know, well, I don't know what God thinks about my question. I don't know how God feels about my question. Well, if that's where you are, this is why we read the Bible. This is why we read the Bible. This, the Bible is God's revelation of himself. Like, this is where God spent about 1,500 years wanting to make sure that you knew exactly what he's like, exactly what he thinks, and how he feels about all kinds of situations. You know, you can get to know somebody by reading about them. You know, you can read, oh, they reacted to this situation this way. That tells you something about who they are, right? God said this at this time. It tells you something about who he is and what he thinks and how he feels, right? And so if you don't know what God thinks about your situation, you get to read the scriptures. Like, that's why you want to read the Bible. And this is why prayer is so often linked to faith, and faith is linked to God's word. Romans 10.17 says, faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. And so if you hear the word of Christ, your understanding of who God is is going to grow. It's going to deepen. It's going to go wider. You're going to know more about God. So that when you ask God your question, you will know more about how God thinks and feels about what you're asking. Okay, so if you have trouble hearing from God, then read the Bible with an eye to know God better. Okay, so read the Bible today, this week, and ask yourself, what is this teaching me about God? If this is in the Bible, what does this reveal to me about what God is like? And then imagine what that kind of God would say to your situation. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Um, okay, so let's actually do this. Let's look at Matthew, just the verses that we've read already, right? This is Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. And so what do these verses teach you about God? Just a little feedback. What's something that these verses might teach you about who God is, what he's like, how he thinks, how he feels? I'm going to call on somebody if... Okay, so, so Jesus teaches us how to pray here. That means that God wants, God is the kind of God that doesn't want prayer to be this dark mystery. God wants you to know how to pray. What else? Good. So God wants us to pray in private. So what does that mean about God? He's personal. Like, so, as you think about your mental image of God, you know, whatever you think about when you pray to him, you need to add to that. You need to download this verse into the app of your God in your brain thing. 
and realize that God is a personal God who wants personal time with you. How many people do you know that really delight to be with you? What are those people like? What's it like to be around them? Right? It feels good. Right? You enjoy being with them because when you talk about stuff, they seem to find it interesting. Right? They seem to care about the things that you say. You need to project that. That's what God is like. He wants to spend time with you alone. So he's got something for you that he has for no one else. You see how this shapes your faith in God? And so if God loves you that much, if God cares to want to spend personal time with you, then when you're going to pray and ask God, does he care about the situation at work? What kind of a response are you going to get? God's going to say, yes, of course I care. Let's talk about this. You need to know that I have a personal plan for you. Like, I've got a design for you in the workplace. I want you to play a particular role. And I care so much about you that I want to talk about your work situation. Does, it, does that make sense? And you see how that truth that God wants us to pray in secret shapes our understanding of who he is. And then it affects. Now we're praying to a God who actually really does care about the intimate details of our lives. What else do we see from these verses? Say again. God listens. So he actually hears us. Right? I mean, verse 6, right? Your father who sees in secret. So he actually listens. Again, so it falls under the rubric of that he cares enough about you. What else? What other things do we see from these verses? Yeah. So he wants you to come as you are. He wants you to be real with him. Okay? And we know that because he says, Jesus says, look, this is not a performance. Right? You don't have to worry about the words you use. Just come and talk to God as though he were a loving father. Right? As though he were the kind of father um, who, who cares about you who takes responsibility to see that you flourish, right? The kind of father who knows your needs and delights in the opportunity to talk to you about what's going on in your life, right? So even if that's not your experience of father, let this image that you don't have to perform before God, let that shape your image of him. To me, this has been one of the most transforming exercises for my own prayer life. Because now, when I go to God, um, when I go to God and I begin to ask him things, I begin to say, God, what are you like? How do you think? How do you feel about this? And what happens is, sometimes scriptures will come to my mind. Or images of God acting the way he acts in scripture will come to my mind. And I'll be able to realize, wow, that's God speaking back to me and telling me how he thinks and feels about what I'm talking to him about. And that is a stretching of faith. 
Okay, that's how the Bible can stretch your faith and enable you to pray and meet God. Um, so this, I just want to mention this because like to do this and to do this in your prayers, it means you need to know the Bible, right? Okay, you got that? The more you know the Bible, the more of God you can know the more of how he thinks, how he feels, the more of your life situations you can know how God speaks into. Does that make sense? And so this is a reason to read the Bible. Like, don't do it because you have to. It's not a performance. Right? It's not a performance. It's about getting to know your God. So just start reading. Read the verses until something, and ask yourself, what does this verse mean about God? Is there something there? Yes, we'll stop and think about that. Okay, well, so who is God if he is the one who authored this verse? Right, what does this tell me about God? And then how does that kind of God speak into my life? What happens when we do this is that this is what changes us. This is what it means to spend time with God. Okay, and this is what this verse that we looked at in the confession says. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. So as we think about who God is, as we learn about who God is in the scriptures, we behold his glory. The glory of the Lord is what he's like. It's his character. It's his amazingness. And as we behold him, we are transformed into the same image from one level of glory to another. So if you want to know how to grow, if you want to know how God works things out of you, how bad habits get broken, how your character changes and develops, it's by spending time in the presence of God. That's how it works. You think about how amazing God is, and God's this amazing shining light, and his light radiates into you. And it changes you, because if God is like this, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, is in me. And this is who I am now in Christ. Because God's Spirit is in me, I become like Him. But you've got to believe that this is true. You have to believe, the next time you pray, believe that you are going in and you are beholding the glory of the Lord. And then you have to believe that his spirit is in you, making you like him. If you believe that, it will happen. It happens. So we saw this last week. We're going to look at it over and over again, I think. Um, this is how God's word becomes flesh in our lives. And when that happens, we become his new creation. Okay, so we take his information, the information, the, the, the verses of scripture then we put them into practice. Jesus says, if you go to God in the secret place, he will see you there, meet you there, he'll reward you, right? You put that into practice, and that's how you're transformed, okay? And so this may be new for you. This may be new, and so it's going to feel a little bit clunky, right? It's going to feel like you're trying to ride a bike, you know, and you trip, and so you, it's going to feel wooden, and that's okay. Anything new feels that way at first, you got to think, okay, 
all right, so what's the verse? Okay, what does the verse say? Okay, um, uh, what does this teach me about God? Okay, you know, I mean, this is how it's going to feel wooden, and that's okay. God will meet you in that place. If you are there saying, God, I want to know you, he's going to reveal himself to you. And pretty soon, you don't have to think about pedal, brake, turn, balance, right? You're actually beginning, hey, I kind of got the hang of this, you know? And what's new becomes normal. And it becomes natural. You begin to live in the presence of God. And so again, it's awkward, but keep trying. How about seven days? Just try this every day this week and see what happens. Just see what happens. If it's awkward, say, you know what? It's awkward. Seven days of awkwardness. I'm going to embrace that because I want to know him. Because Jesus says he'll reward me. So I'm going to do it. It'll become more comfortable. And you will find, you will find that there is nothing like spending time with God. There is nothing like it. When you go to God with a problem, with a question, and you get this sense of who God is because you remember the scriptures, and God speaks to you, and you all of a sudden know God is for me. God is in this. God has an opinion about this. And he's revealed his will to me. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There was a story of an old pastor who was at a bar one night. And he's with a group of folks. And when they found out that he was a pastor, somebody just happened to say, so, uh, you read the Bible? Yeah. Uh, What's your favorite verse? And the pastor says, uh, Psalm 23, um, it's been one of the greatest helps, and all of a sudden he gets interrupted. This other guy says, Psalm 23, I love Psalm 23. He said, I'm a performance actor, and I have done that psalm in front of thousands of people. Well, the folks that were listening on this conversation said, well, man, we, we want to hear you. Yeah, yeah, will you perform it for us? And the actor says, well, sure. And so they gave him a microphone, and he goes up on the stage, and he did an absolutely riveting performance. When he was done with Psalm 23, there was a standing ovation. Everybody clapped. Everybody was cheering. And so this actor steps down. He walks right up to the pastor. He hands him the microphone. He says, hey, your turn. Why don't you give us a recitation? And the, the rest of the crowd agreed. And so the pastor then walks up on stage. And in his old, kind of hesitating voice, he starts in. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And when he was finished, no one clapped. No one cheered. But there wasn't a dry eye in that bar. And as the pastor stepped down from the stage, the actor went up to him. And he said, you know, I know the psalm, but you know the good shepherd. Friends, do you know the good shepherd? Do you know the God who has spoken to you? He is waiting for you this week in the secret place. 
at the beginning of your day, at the end of your day, even in the quiet place of your own heart in the middle of the day. He wants to reveal himself to you so that you can know him. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Without words like these, we would spend our lives chasing everything else but you. Without this reminder, and it's so wonderful, Father, that it's, it's not just a command to pray, um, but it's an invitation to who you are. It's an invitation to know you. Thank you for revealing yourself this way to us. And I pray, Lord, I pray that you would make it really clear to everyone here what you're like, how you think and feel about them. Father, help us, help each one of us to bring to you, to bring into your presence our concerns, our worries, our doubts, our fears, our emotions, our relationships. Help us to bring to you our past, our present, our future, just everything, Lord, because you care, because you're powerful, because you love us. You are our shepherd, and we do not want. You make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside the still waters. You restore our soul. You lead us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. And though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we fear no evil because you're with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. And you prepare a table of abundance before us in the presence of even our enemies. You anoint our head with oil and our cup overflows. Surely, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And then we will dwell in your house forever. Amen.